This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 5, Episode 15. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. As of the recording of this episode, and I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by my fellow podcaster. He's also our producer and uh, amazing dude from Ohio, (laughs) where I just returned from a few days ago, although we didn't get to see each other. I know. It's my fault, but... Yeah, we're here. We're here. And we together. failed to mention your name in case people didn't know. <laughs> Matthew Marister. Here he is. We're here. We're here together. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad this will be a fun topic. And uh, yeah, it's, we had some, it was, you know, in Ohio, we had some nice weather. And then today we had snow coming down. So it's <laughs> like, why don't, why don't we throw like a, a little uh, curveball to the listeners and have a little different type of podcast today and. Yeah, it'll be fun. No, we had snow in Colorado while I was in Ohio, and then that moved across the country and is in your neck of the woods. Thank and then, you. Amazingly, we are back to snow today after <laughs> two sunny days. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that that season, isn't it? Today, folks, we we're talking about seven cliches we wish would go away, and I said I I, I put seven in there. But it, it, it's probably going to actually be more than that. So <laughs> the number is just a number. We'll, we'll uh, see where we end up with with it. I think we've got like 18 total we could, we could talk about. Uh, I don't know that we're going to hit all those today, though. So uh, we're going to have fun with this. Please know that we're not here to intentionally offend anybody. Um, you know, just because you use one of these phrases or have used them, uh, know that I myself have at one time in my life used many of them as well. Me too. <laughs> um, and uh, as we go through this episode and explain why we no longer like these cliches, we'll explain those and, and hopefully some of that will make sense to you as well. Um, and at the end of the day, we're really just having some fun with this and, uh, and, and hopefully educate folks along the way too. So, uh, today's episode sponsored, brought to you by Gunfighter Gun Oil. Gunfighter Gun Oil is fantastic stuff. Uh, I just, I mean, I just came back from a teaching a two day class in Ohio. Uh, you know, made sure I relubricated my gun before. Actually, guns. I I shot two different guns while I was there teaching that class over the weekend. A uh, little bit of Gunfighter Gun Oil on each of them. Make sure things are running smooth. And I had zero malfunctions throughout the weekend. And that is what we want to have. So there's many great lubricant products out there. Gunfighter gun oil, though, is, I'll tell you, I mean, it works incredibly well and is made by some fantastic patriotic Americans right here in the good old USA. I think you'll enjoy it. So check them out at gunfighteroil.com. Also, today's episode is sponsored by Barrel Block. Uh, we actually mentioned a little bit about Barrel Block last week on the Shooter Ready Challenge episode, uh, but it is the way to make your gun inert for dry fire practice. Uh, Jacob, I think, is going to be publishing an episode very shortly—not an episode, an article—about uh, about, uh, about
about this very thing. So uh, basically the idea of dry firing with an unloaded gun versus dry firing with an inert gun. And here's the thing, you put a barrel block in the barrel of your gun, it's there to stay. And there's nothing going to enter the chamber of that gun or cause any issues as long as you as long as you do your part, make sure that the barrel, that the barrel block is installed. And of course, we still want to handle our firearms in a safe manner, abiding by all typical, you know, all of your standard uh, firearm safety rules. But it's a nice extra piece of reassurance to know when you're using barrel block, you can dry fire 100% safely with that reassurance. So go to barrelblock.com today to pick up a barrel block. Available in all kinds of different calibers, 9mm, 380, 40, 357 SIG, 45. Um, and also the rifle equivalent is known as the and that's available in uh, 5.56 or 223 Remington. Uh, but we've got some new products coming on the way at some point. I think that uh, some of you may be interested in as well. So there you go, barrelblock.com, B-A-R-R-E-L-B-L-O-K.com. Barrelblock with a K. No C. All right, here we go. Seven cliches we would like to see go away. All right. So uh, it's Matthew's idea for a topic. Yeah. So if this backfires on us and we make everybody, <laughs> you know, angry across the country, across the world, uh, it's your fault. It's my fault. <laughs> it's not the first time I've hear, heard that, right? <laughs> you know, we, we always tell people that, are, that view us as we record these episodes live, that they're welcome to chime in with comments or questions and we'll address them as we can. And Warren on YouTube wants to know why is the, Canic rival hard to find, and the answer to that, Warren, is I don't know. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I wish I I wish I could tell you more, but I do not know the answer to that question. And uh, figured I would address that one right now, right away, because that was easy to do. So, all right. Um, and Connor just commented. Let's start off with that full clip quote full clip end quote make yeah. that go away lol well we didn't actually address that one in our list but i i could get on board with that uh although here's the thing all right so i used to get really hung up in the words of things and i mean i i i still try to call things what i think they should be called for instance clip versus magazine when we intend to mean a magazine because i do think words matter but i'm also at a point where one of the things that does kind of also bother me is when people get overly worked up over semantics of stuff, especially when they're wrong about what those things are called or were once upon a time called. And I'm not talking about the clip versus magazine thing. I do call magazines magazines and clips are relatively rare to come across unless you shoot a lot of M1 Garands or something <laughs> or stripper clips like, Sometimes, uh, you know, comes with uh, your ammunition loaded on stripper clips and you have the, the means to quickly strip those rounds off those stripper clips as you reload your, I don't know, your 1903 Springfield rifle or something <laughs> <laughs> or your Mauser. I don't know. I've never actually loaded any any rifles with a stripper clip before. So <clears throat> don't uh, quote me on any of that as far as how to do what. But, um, but like one thing that people get, 
really they they apply the same kind of logic, Matthew, to uh, the whole silencer versus suppressor thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, at one time, I thought I was super educated and thought, yeah, it's it's a suppressor, and therefore we must call it that because it it doesn't truly silence the gun, and that was kind of the the uh, logic there. And the the truth of the matter is, is the original uh, patents on silencers were called silencers and the language in the national firearms act are they it uses the term silencer and so um so actually you bring up a great point connor that i think that there are some terms in the industry that i mean where possible i encourage the correct use of things and also i think there's a, a place in a time to, to be correct on, in the usage of terms. But also I think there's a time and a place to shut your mouth because some people I think uh, make a big to do about nothing uh, that is, it, that maybe runs the risk of pushing gun owners away from our beloved community rather than helping them out. Um, yeah. Clip kind of bugs me, you know, when people are talking about a magazine, but um, I don't try to get too tore up about it. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, if it's an educational type thing, a moment for education versus a like, what's the intent behind you? Like pointing out, hey, man, that's not a clip. It's actually a magazine. Are you like, you know, trying to make the person feel like an idiot? Or are you just trying to say, hey, man, like, I don't care what you call it, but like, this is the actual word for it. Like, yeah. I'm not going to lose sleep, but, you know, it, it definitely sound a little bit more educated on the topic when you use the correct terminology. But you know, I, yeah. I, yeah, it is kind of like it does jump at you when you hear somebody say clip, right? Like it's like, boop. but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with both of you guys. So Matthew, what's your first cliche from your list? All right. You'd like so, to see go away. Yeah. These are in no order. So I'm just going to start picking them out. And then this <laughs> is the first one on the list. The judge by 12, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Right. Like mm-hmm. we hear that a lot in context of like self-defense shooting. Well, you know, I'd rather be alive than mm-hmm. in, in, in court than dead and in the ground. And I totally agree with that. Like I would rather be alive and fight the battle in court than be in the ground. However, there is a third option and that's to be neither <laughs> and to use like, you know, avoidance and, and, you know, uh, proper defensive, uh, use of defensive force so you don't end up in a kind of gray area where the prosecutor wants to try to charge you with something, right? Mm -hmm. So my point in in making that go away is there's a third option and that's the option we should be shooting for. Yeah. I mean, that that is the option that we have preached on this podcast since the very beginning, which is no one understand the laws and you know, you, you can successfully defend yourself and remain within those laws, uh, make good, wise, sound choices and decisions. And so, yeah, uh, it, it becomes an excuse really to, I think that is easy for some people to justify not having to apply much thought um, to legal and tactical uh, situations that, well, you know, if I find somebody in my house, I'm just going to shoot him and I'm going to shoot him dead. And it's like, okay, yeah, I understand that in most contexts, uh, finding somebody in your house 
that shouldn't be there, you know, an intruder in other words. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably lawful to do, you know, provide, I mean, you want to obviously want to check the laws of your state, uh, or locality or your, your jurisdiction. But, um, but I mean, it could also be that somebody is in your house that you think shouldn't be in there, but the reality is they're, they're not who you think they are, meaning they're not an intruder. So, uh, I'm actually reminded of, of our company president, Jacob Paulson, uh, story he, he once shared. I think he even shared it on this podcast where, uh, many, many years ago when he was quite a bit younger and I think single at the time, even he, uh, uh, was, I don't know. I remember, I don't remember all the circumstances, but found himself, uh, uh, you know, entering into his brother's home, uh, where he was going to stay that night but I think got there way later than was intended or forgot to talk to his brother ahead of time. Or I don't, I don't remember exactly, but he had access to his brother's home and certainly had an invitation to stay there. Um, but, uh, ended up going in and at some point surprising his brother who was armed with a firearm and could very easily have shot him. Had he not had his brother not realized who he was sort of thing. So those kind of situations. And it probably would have been legal. Like you're justifiably, you know, just legally yeah. justified, right? Like yeah. a horrific outcome, but yeah, yep. Um, at the very least, a, a tragic accident, which mm-hmm. you know we've shared many stories like that on the podcast uh, that are similar to that. Uh, and, and it's you know maybe you aren't charged with anything, so I guess it bypasses that judge by twelve piece. But you know now you have hanging over you the fact that not you but your loved one is the one that's being carried by six and you're responsible for that uh, because you know you thought that no matter what somebody enters my home i'm gonna pull that trigger rather than being prudent and smart and making decision good decisions about it and identifying your target and stuff and i got some other things along those lines uh coming up here today as well a related saying i think is a that bothers me as well, Matthew, for similar reasons is the whole, we'll just say that you were in fear for your life mm-hmm. as if this is the magic statement that is your get out of free jail card. And it it's not, okay, because there's a lot more nuance to self-defense shootings or situations than just, well, I was scared and so I shot them. Yeah. It, it's it goes deeper than that. There are certain circumstances that need to be in place to be legally justified in pulling the trigger, and and again, it becomes another excuse to you know because I mean human beings are inherently lazy. We we are you know, and so we'd rather not put in the time or the effort to study or understand the law or to ponder about these things in any amount of depth. Um, And by that, like, you know, running different scenarios and things through your mind and like, what ifs and, you know, that all that preparation and the attitude and the mindset, uh, that, that side of it takes work and effort and understanding. And it's far easier just to say, well, I'm just going to say I was in fear of my life. And well, and, and even then, if that's not good enough, well, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. You see how that kind of, it's a, it's of a similar vein of thought, This these two phrases that we're starting off with here today. 
Agreed. Yeah. Fear, by the way, fear for your for your life is in many statutes, uh, kind of a is a is a piece of a justified uh, self defense claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be articulated quite in that way, but like in Colorado here, we have a, a, a phrase in the statute that says, you know, that basically where it refers to being an imminent uh, danger of bodily injury or, or excuse me, of death or great bodily injury. Right. And well, that would imply there's probably a fear factor involved, but it doesn't say that just because you fear fearful, because I might be scared because somebody says something threatening to me that, may not escalate to a level of deadly force. I might be scared because somebody got up my face and was offensive to me or pushed me around a little bit, you know? So like it, it, there's, there's more to it than that. And every situation is unique and different. And there's got to be a set of articulable facts that we can point to and be like, well, this is, this is why mm-hmm. this is, you know, cause it may come to that. You know, at the end of the day, when you make a self-defense claim, that is a an affirmative defense. And you you basically, you know, if you make that claim, then you're admitting to essentially, you know, you're, you're admitting to committing homicide or at least attempted homicide in a justified manner. And, and by so doing, you've got to be able to explain the circumstances for why you did what you did and simply saying, I was in fear. Well, there, there's got to be something that backs that up. Right. Some objectively reasonable, you know, the fear has to be objectively reasonable. It can't just be, you know, yeah. well, I just was afraid. Well, I mean, you can't be afraid of a two-year-old. That's not objectively yeah. reasonable that, right. So, um, yeah. and the reasonableness standard, that that's, that's a very important piece. And as a certain famous attorney, Andrew Brinka has said before, uh, you don't, have to make perfect decisions, but we have to make reasonable ones. Mm-hmm. And it's not always going to be reasonable to say I was in fear for my life, but I can't explain clearly what circumstances created that fear. So keep that in mind. All right. What's next? What do you got? All right. Let's go to the gun that feels the best is the best one for you or some version of, you know, well, this one works for me, you know, um, type, type argument. And it, and it typically, I hear this when, you know, you tell somebody, you know, Hey, um, the, you know, the S the Ruger SR 22 is probably not the, the, the ideal concealed carry gun for you. And they said, well, I'd rather have this one and this one, the best gun is the one that I have. And therefore it's the best gun, but it's kind of taking out of context. Like, well, yeah, but they're, why not carry the best gun <laughs> the, and also have a gun that is good for concealed carry, right? Like, because the one that you carry might not be the best concealed carry gun. Right. It, but, um, and so just to, you know, I'm not exactly sure what people mean when they just say, well, carry whatever gun feels the best or the one that's in your hand is the best one for you. It's it's kind of just, I, I don't think it's good advice to give to somebody who's trying to find a gun uh, th- that works for them, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, and I think this comes from sort of two places. I think, one, this this 
is its own cop out of we and I understand where the place it comes from because I see this in online forums or groups, Facebook groups and things where someone maybe says, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of getting this gun or this is the gun I got or something to that effect. And maybe it's not the, maybe it's not an ideal choice and people will start sort of dragging that individual. And, uh, you know, and you might have someone that comes in that tries to defend them and by saying, well, you know, the gun that feels best for you or, whatever like that that's the best one for you you know like this one feels best to me this fits my hand the best this is comfortable to me and therefore it's com- because it's comfortable therefore i'm going to be you know my performance will be better with it etc cetera, etc cetera. There's, there's this kind of this whole place where it's like this anti-judgmental approach of hey it's cool bro just just carry or use the gun that you think is best or that feels best to you or feels right and i understand that but it is a cop-out, okay, because I think that when we approach things from a more intellectual um, from a more intellectual perspective, then, then we should look at things and, and try to, just like these other things we've already talked about so far, it's, there's kind of an interesting um, trend here in the, in, the, in the thinking, if you will, or the excuse-making, if you will. Um, from an intellectual perspective, if we were evaluating the right gun for me, then we'd we'd actually list out some different factors, and then see how various guns stack up to those. I mean, I'll give you one example: uh, reliable. Reliability is an important factor for a defensive gun because, for obvious reasons, so I, if that gun, I need to know and have confidence that gun's going to function. But what does that mean? What is reliability, really? Well, don't want to completely derail this podcast. We've we've explored that, I think, a little bit in some past episodes. Um, but uh, here's one thing I would say is that there are some guns out there that have a reputation for reliability, right? And by that, you know, there's some, some common, some big name brand guns that most everybody knows and is familiar with that that are known for being good guns, solid guns that that have a performance and a history of a reliability. Um, some of that would be evidenced by the fact that maybe they're used by a bunch of law enforcement agencies or military or private security even, et cetera, et cetera, because those agencies or organizations select a gun based upon factors like reliability. I mean, the military in doing its evaluation of the modular handgun system contract had a pretty rigorous reliability um, test of, you know, various standards. And there's a very, like, I'm not, again, I'm not going to try to derail this, but you can, you can dig into that a little bit and, and find the actual language, the actual criteria that they weighed these guns on in terms of reliability is a very specific definition of what the military considered reliable, reliable enough or not. So my point is, is that by here, by this, I'm talking about, this is one factor. And I think if we're being truthful ourselves and we're going to carry a gun for personal defense, that we want to carry something that we know will work. Cause if we aren't, I think that's kind of dumb sorry to say, uh, because I think you don't really take your personal safety and security all that seriously. And so 
choosing something that isn't known particularly for having a history of performance and reliability, then that's, you know, you're, you're kind of playing with, with fire there, so to speak. So, um, the statement comes from a, a, a good place of, Hey, it's cool, bro. Just, just carry what feels best to you or the handgun that fits you the best. That that's the one for you. And another thing that, and I've even said this, uh, even not that long ago until I kind of ch- had a change of, of opinion on this or a change of approach was, Oh, you want to figure out what gun works best for you? Well, go to the gun range, go to your local gun range that rents guns and rent a whole bunch of different ones and try all these different ones and shoot them all. And then, you know, see which one you like best. Problem with that is that particularly if you're a newer gun owner, how do you know what actually feels best to you if you don't even know how to grip the gun yet or grip it correctly? And maybe the way you currently grip is not ideal in terms of how to shoot it the best. And so you think, well, this feels this feels good to me. But then as you get training or you become more experienced and you learn, oh, wait, there's a better way of doing things, a better way of gripping my gun, for instance. Maybe the grip that you were using now that you correct that no longer is so-called comfortable with how that gun feels in your hands. Or, or maybe it's even where you were not gripping the gun high enough, and now that you are gripping it high enough on the on the grip underneath the beaver tail, um, maybe the shape and size of your hand now that slide bites your your hand or cuts your webbing of your hand, stuff like that. You know, so you might not have realized that before you actually learned how to shoot more properly. So I mean, it could go on and on and on about this. And we've, like I said, we've, we've, I think we've touched on this before, but the gun that feels the best is the best one for you. Um, yeah, that, I, I, I don't care for that saying anymore. Agreed. You, you touched on um, works for me as you were introducing that one, and which was something I had written under my list. And it's a similar attitude that, and it again becomes kind of a lazy man's justification for, well, it works for me. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. All right. Good for you, bro. You know, and, and ultimately I don't care what other people do. I mean, I do care from a, a point of like, I want to be helpful. I want to help other people succeed. That's part of who I am as an individual and part of my job too. But, you know, if you tell me at the end of the day, like, this is, this is what works for me and I like it. All right. Okay. You know, I, I suggested something else or suggested that that's maybe not the most reliable, durable choice, but all right, carry on, do your thing. I hope it works, you know, well for you, yeah. but, uh, um, I'd be careful with phrases like this. Be careful. I, I guess the whole point here is, and I, I said that there's kind of a common trend or theme to some of what we're talking about at the beginning part of these cliched statements that a lot of times these cliches just become, uh, a way of not really doing critical thought of performing critical thought about the, the actions we're taking decisions we're making, uh, the choices we're making about gear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a charter arms 38 special might be the best gun for you and it, 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 and it might feel the best, but it also may not. And, and we shouldn't just boil it down to, well, this is the gun I have. It works for me and it feels good in my hand. So therefore I'm going to reject Anybody saying, hey, 
have you thought about this or that, you know? And, and so uh, I'm with you. I, I, I've been very reserved in giving my opinion on a lot of things. And, and because unless somebody comes and asks me, Hey, what's your opinion? I've kind of almost become more of just like a, you, I don't even want to, <laughs> because people become very, you know, uh, uh, defensive about their purchase. And I get it. Like you, mm-hmm. you invested some money and you don't want somebody to tell you, Hey, there's a better, m- might be something better out there. Um, so, you know, I'm very careful in, in, in giving my opinion when it's not yeah. asked for. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, great comment from Christy. She says a lot of times the ranges don't rent, rent the nice guns out either. They're not usually clean sites are off. They have issues. In fact, I was just at a range. They pulled a, rental gun out of the case that uh, legit had some issues with the trigger. So hmm. that would uh, probably not be the uh, uh, the best introduction to that particular gun that a person might have. That definitely might sway one's opinion about what they think is best <laughs> based on the fact that there's a gun that's not performing as it should. <laughs> needs some, need some help, needs some maintenance. What's your next one, buddy? All right, let me pick one off here. How about um, the? Okay, this is going to be a good one for you guys. All right, mm. so make sure you guys are sitting down. <laughs> the Second Amendment is my permit. I get the, I get it, man. Like I, I get it. The Second Amendment is is in the Constitution. It's it should you know like it's not up for debate. But in reality. You know, that's not going to hold up in court. Like you're not going to, you know, if you're a convicted felon and you have a, a firearm and you get stopped by the police um, and you just say, hey, the Second Amendment's my permit. It's going to be a tough defense. I mean, I, I, I don't think that that's going to go very far. So um, I get the sentiment behind it. But I think that, you know, um, I, I think that we just need to be a little bit more. Uh, especially when we're dealing with people that are anti-gun or, you know, coming from a point of, well, why do you need this or that? And and we just boil it down to the second amendment is my permit. We lose a lot of the, the, the intellectual kind of like persuasion, persuasion uh, or being able to persuade people to, to our side or to our understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... This is a this is a tricky one, you know, because uh, because first of all, we want to advocate for being good, decent, law-abiding people, right? At the same time, I do see and observe many of the same restrictions on the Second Amendment that many of you see and observe, and I, I don't like a lot of those. I don't like any of them, frankly. Uh, and this, the Second Amendment is my permit becomes this justification that I'm just going to do what I want anyway, regardless of the consequences and regardless of how it reflects on uh, the rest of the 2A community if you get caught. Uh, give you an example. Uh, this will probably be featured in an upcoming podcast of ours. Uh, there was a gentleman in Indiana, was it, or Ohio? thereabouts i might have been ohio that uh got caught at a uh high school sports game ohio. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, actually it was kind of in the columbus area wasn't it yeah, it near- was in the town i used to live in before i moved to this <laughs> <laughs> i don't know the guy though so a dude is at, at a school sporting event at a uh, 
on school grounds, right? And uh, is carrying his gun. And maybe he, uh, it could be a couple things. Maybe he forgot he had it on him. He just, just, just was just a honest mistake. Um, or maybe he's one of those that was second amendment's my permit. And by golly, uh, I'm gonna. What's the word? What's the phrase? Um, uh, I can't think of it. All of a sudden, you know, like I'm gonna not comply with that because you know I believe that any law restricting the second amendment's an unjust law. So maybe that was his justification. He decides to carry the gun on the school grounds into a school, um, to a, to a sporting event because by golly, that's my right. Well, okay, that's fine, bro, but don't get caught. All right. I'm not advocating for any legal activity, by the way, just for purposes of uh, protecting uh, the liability of this podcast. <laughs> but if that's the choice you're going to make, don't get caught. And, and, and don't make it reflect poorly on the rest of us because I promise you that does not look, that does not look good in the battle for second amendment rights. If we project the attitude, we're a bunch of crazy cowboys and we're going to do whatever we want. The other side won't want to engage with us. Yeah. And that becomes a losing proposition. And it, so in fact, pr- pr- provides even more fuel and ammunition for the other side to want to restrict rights further. Because well, these people are crazy and insane, so we gotta we gotta get them, we gotta keep them in check, and so, um, yeah, and 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 I'm not gonna put any words in your mouth because I know your you know your stance on this, and it, and I even wrote an article about that, and in the article, I even say, man, like I think not allowing the dude who was concealed carrying to walk onto the property. Um, and cheer for his kid in a wrestling match is stupid. It didn't, it didn't do, you know, it didn't protect anyone arresting this guy and issuing a warrant mm-hmm. for his arrest. Didn't make the world a safer place. It didn't, you know, if public safety is the goal, it didn't do anything of that. In fact, that was probably the guy that if somebody came in to shoot the place up would be the only armed one there. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not against you know, us standing by and saying, Hey, these laws are stupid. They're, they're irrelevant. They're, they're, you know, they're uh, in violation of what we believe the second amendment to be. But at the same time, you know, and, and and if you, like, like you said, Riley, if, if, if you don't want to abide by that and you make the decision, Hey, I'm going to take the consequences. If I get caught, that's, you know, Hey, go for it. But, um, but we can't just cop out and just say, well, the second amendment is my permit because, you know, people are, uh, we, we have to be able to understand the law. And if we debase it down to like the second amendment is my permit, I'm not even going to care about because it, and it happens a lot when we are promoting like the legal boundaries by state book. And we say, Hey, these are the laws of the States. Don't, you know, when you travel and they're like, Oh, I, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't want to know the law because the second amendment is my permit. And it's like, I get it, man, but like you, you want to know the law and, and, and if you know the law, then you can, you know, tell these legislators, legislators, Hey, this is, this is an unjust law and I want it repealed or, or whatever, you know, but we can't just avoid the conversation just by saying the second amendment is my permit. That's, that's kind of my sentiment. And I, I, I don't know if I put words in your mouth, but no, I, I think you articulated that very well. Absolutely. <laughs> And I had the same thought about that gentleman. I thought it's a, it, it really is a shame it has to come to this because he, by virtue of the fact that he went into that school, attended this event, 
left and nobody got hurt. Hmm. Weird. Crazy. Right. You know, um, like he's the last person we should be concerned about. You know, he, he's one of the, he's one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, criminals are going to do what they want to do anyway. Those, those are the guys we need to be actually concerned about. So anyway, let's move on to the next. Um, Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. <clears throat> this is this is an age-old cliche, idiom, whatever you want to call it. Uh, been around a long time, at least as far as I know. I've heard it all my life. Well, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Well, and, and we could make a whole podcast episode probably about this one phrase, and maybe maybe we'll do that sometime. Who knows? But this is often used as, uh, again, like a, an, an excuse to do, to make certain adjustments to your shooting um, that maybe aren't necessarily the right adjustments to make. I mean, for instance, so, some would say, well, wh- or if, so, if somebody came to you and was like, why am I missing this target? And maybe the, the response would be, well, slow down and get your hits. Because slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm. Well, slowing down and getting your hits never did anybody any good in a gunfight. If if time was of the essence. Okay. Now we got to get our hits clearly because if we don't get our hits, that's that's a problem, right? That just means. It's kind of like the podcast I just did with Wayne Dobbs last last year or last week. Um, we, we talked about this very thing a little bit about as far as how important it is to get your hits because failure to do so just prolongs the encounter. And, and that's its own problem, you know, in terms of the time variable itself. But if chances are, I get, this is really where it comes from. For, for me, this is my opinion on this. Um, if somebody is missing at a, at a faster pace uh, because they have substantial technique issues or fundamental type issues, chances are those are also going to be issues when they go slow as well. So they end up still missing the target, but just missing it even slower than they did before. And that's that's really the problem with this. Just because we slow down does not automatically mean it's going to fix the problems. Now, a person could be shooting faster than what they can see. They could be shooting faster than what their skill level currently permits. But to simply say it's as simple as slowing down and that that's automatically going to fix their issues, not necessarily always the case. Here's the other thing. Slow is not necessarily the same thing as smooth. Smooth is not necessarily the same thing as fast. Slow is not fast. Fast is not slow. (laughs) Smooth is neither of those and is just smooth and whatever the heck that means. Like, honestly, ask yourself the question, what is smooth anyway? So words matter. We we could apply some, some definition to that. Really, like, what does it matter? And does it really matter if I'm so-called smooth, if I get the job done? I've seen some people, that pretty good shooters, but 
they didn't really look smooth. I've also seen people that so-called looked smooth and weren't very good. And I've seen an example of both of those. They looked smooth and cool and fast. So I think the reality is, and why this phrase bugs me, is that slow is just slow. Fast is just fast. And smooth is just smooth. In whatever context you define smooth as. Um, so you're either fast or you're slow. And, oh, and then the other piece is that those are relative terms. Really. Like, well, how fast is fast and how slow is slow? Some to, to one person, what's fast is slow to another and vice versa. So it's, it's really just, it's one of those well-meaning, well-sounding phrases that kind of doesn't really mean anything when you actually break it down. I think where, you know, the basis of it is, well, when we're developing skill, sometimes we need to start somewhere. And we need to kind of step our way through what the basic, what the various steps of that skill are. And that usually means we do it at a deliberate pace as we learn the motions and the actions and the various parts and pieces of whatever that motion or skill is. And then as we get better at that skill, quite often we look somewhat mechanical when we're learning new things. And as we get better, then that smooths out and the mechanicalness goes away and we become smooth. But again, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're automatically going to become fast because I've seen some people that struggle to do that, that struggle to, I mean, I've had shooters in classes in recent history that were pretty good shooters, pretty solid fundamentals, but they had a big mental block that prevented them from going any faster than they currently could. And they certainly were capable of going faster. And the answer wasn't that, well, no, no amount of smoothness was going to help them go, go faster is my point. Sometimes to go fast, we have to just go fast. We have to learn to be okay with going fast. For a lot of people, going fast puts them outside their comfort zone. And we have to become uncomfortable for a time to learn how to go fast. Anyway, all that to say that slow, smooth, fast, none of those things are the other things. And none of those things automatically lead to the other things. So work on the things that we need to work on. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it, but stop saying that if I do it slow, I'm on a, I'm going to turn into smooth. And if I'm smooth, I'm going to get fast. It's not as simple as that. Agree. Agree. How about, how about this one? Um, I'm trying to choose from a few here. How about this one? Um, I only need a certain number of rounds because I'm not in Fallujah. Or if I need to shoot more than, you know, three rounds, I must be doing something wrong or, or something like this. This is normally comes up when I'm talking to somebody about the capacity of their gun. When I just ask them, like, let's say they have a five shot revolver and I say, that's fine. But you know, what if you had to engage two people or, you know, um, do you, do you think five rounds is enough in, instead of contemplating on that problem or, or, or just wondering about that, 
they, um, they, they deny that scenario and just say in the scenario, in my mind, if I need to shoot more than three times, I'm either missing or, you know, uh, that's a, you know, a, a scenario that only the, you know, forces in Iraq have to deal with. And so it doesn't apply to me. And, um, it kind of goes back to that intellectual, just kind of like you're off, you, you, you know, offhand, just rejecting something so you can justify whatever you have. And like I said, that five shot revolver might be the best choice and you might be fine with five rounds that I'm not saying that you're wrong for that. I'm just saying it to think of it as if I only need X number, you know, I only need this many rounds if I need more than that. So I'm not going to carry, I'm not going to even think about carrying a spare mag. I'm not going to think about the capacity of my firearm. Um, I think you're just setting up yourself for not maybe choosing the optimal gun for the purpose potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we can certainly be successful in self-defense shootings with uh relatively small, relatively low capacity guns. Mm -hmm. uh, I have also heard this argument that, well, I only need so many rounds to get the job done. That's a very bold, very confident statement. Yeah, that's, that's very bold. And I understand the sentiment. Well, I'm going to make them count. Well, here's the thing. You have to make them count. And you cannot guarantee the circumstances of the fight you'll find yourself in. Nobody can. Well, I'm not going to get involved in things I shouldn't, you know, that would require more than that. How do you know? Seriously, how do you know? We don't always get to choose our enemy combatant, so to speak. You know, he is who he is or they are. You know, I mean, in recent history, we've shared numerous examples of people that, defending, that defended themselves against multiple attackers. Last week on Justified Saves episode, we had an uh, 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 armed robbery attempt of, of a gentleman. There was like four teenagers, and it said they were armed with handguns. Didn't specify if it was one, two, or all four of them, but that they were armed with guns. That's... That's a fight that guy probably didn't pick. Now, could could we go, if we had more details, could we break it down and be like, well, he chose to go into a part of town he shouldn't have at a certain time of the day. Well, maybe. Maybe he didn't have a choice. It's like our pizza delivery driver. You know, the guy that was shot in his elbow. I think I inter interviewed him on the podcast even. It's a couple of years ago. It's going back a ways, actually. Dude, well, it wasn't just his elbow. It was like his side or hip and his arm and elbow, but he got, you know, struck a couple times by gunfire. That's his job. And he had to deliver pizzas wherever he had to deliver pizzas. Well, you don't have to choose that job. That's, that's a dangerous job to get into. Oh, okay. We don't always get to choose our circumstances. Sometimes we have to take the job we can get. My point being is I do my best to avoid situations or avoid putting myself in situations where it might be dangerous or hazardous to my health. And I hope that that's true for all of us. But are there times where we don't get to choose the circumstances of our fight? Yeah, there are, unfortunately. 
And that also means we don't get to choose how many rounds will be required to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I could be very effective with a five-round revolver. Okay? I'm Unfortunately, because I, I, I limit myself to those five rounds, and maybe I'm carrying a stripper clip of of extra rounds or a speed reloader or whatever, but that's probably not very practical since reloads hardly ever happen in civilian encounters anyway, and probably aren't happening with a J frame revolver, but uh, yeah, I'm limiting myself to the five rounds. That means I have, I've, I've forced a limitation upon myself. And so I'm going to have to work with that. All right. So I think it's a fair point. I'm also reminded, and this will be the last, uh, I think the last one we cover for the episode today, uh, your pick there of the, well, I only need so many rounds because I'm not in Fallujah, um, is very similar to the one I, the cliche I chose, which was the age old, well, three rounds, three yards Mm -hmm. is all, you know, that's what the typical gunfight will be. And that's all I really need. Um, I'd like to see the whole three rounds, three yards thing. And sometimes you'll see it appended to that in three seconds. Um, I'd like to see that die, that phrase die. Not because it isn't true, let's say. Um, I've heard some different things that the statistics surrounding that may not be, that that may be, a, that the numbers may actually be different than the three three yards, three, three rounds, three seconds, so-called the three, three and three rule. Um, but that's regardless if those numbers are actually different or not, shouldn't matter. That is your average gunfight, which means that there are, <laughs> if we're in the middle of the bell curve, there's a pretty wide swath on either side of that where circumstances are going to be further and shorter in terms of the engagement distance. And there's going to be circumstances where I have to shoot more than three rounds and also ones where I don't shoot any at all. And it doesn't take very far going out from the middle of that bell curve, the mean (laughs) of three rounds and find myself at, Oh, I just shot my fifth round. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, well, I don't really need sights or very effective sights anyway because I'm only shooting at three yards anyway. Well, you again, you don't get to choose your fight, and you might need to shoot farther than three yards. I'm sorry to say. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's further than that, I won't get involved. I'll just turn and run the other way, says the dude that probably can't outrun the 17 year old thug that's peak you know maybe maybe seven peak there's some 17 year old thugs unfortunately out there that should be at home and should be with their mamas but they're not and they are a lot quicker and a lot faster and a lot meaner than you Mm -hmm. so stop spewing the three rounds three yards three seconds bs as a justification to be poor and lackadaisical in your skill and your equipment choices that's what I got to say about that, because I think that's a lazy man's excuse. Hmm. Yeah, can't can't argue with that, man. 
We're just trying to make people think about their choices and think about what they do. And, you know, like, like I said, I got planks in my eyes, right. I'm not like just out here casting stones at people, but um, you know, where we see the, I think we picked out some, some of the ones where we see that sentiment kind of leading somebody down to kind of astray from maybe the optimal gear choice or mentality or, you know, decision, um, decision making. Right. So this isn't just like, Hey, I, I don't like people saying, you know, this versus that it's, it's more, okay. Say whatever you want, but if it leads you down to selecting, you know, um, a, a gun that might not be right or limiting your ability because you're trying to, you know, just go by slow, smooth, fast type thing. Um, then we're just trying to kind of get you to out of that paradigm and kind of shift your, 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 your mind to, well, maybe those things aren't necessarily Mm -hmm. gospel. Maybe I need to kind of challenge those beliefs Mm -hmm. and see if I don't get better from that. Yeah. That's spot on, man. I mean, that's where so much of this really comes from is a desire for, for everyone, you guys listening to us or watching us or wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I want you to really think about what it is that you do. All those things, your actions, your gear, your decisions, all that. I want you to really think about it. I want you to make good, wise, educated decisions and not just rely on these outdated, lazy statements uh, that brings you comfort in, in the midst of cognitive dissonance. As human beings, we don't like cognitive dissonance. It's uncomfortable. It makes us question what we think we know. And we don't naturally want to do that. And what I want to inspire you to do is to think for yourself and to push the envelope, to push yourself into those uncomfortable regions because that's where growth occurs. That's where we learn and we grow and we get better. And then with that comes greater understanding and greater degrees and a broader uh, base of experience. And it's all about understanding the why behind the things that we do and the things that we choose and the things that we decide. It's about understanding the why and not just doing the thing and then coming up with a lazy excuse for it. That's what this is about. And all these phrases have a commonality in that. Now, today, I think we've covered uh, eight, actually. See, I told you we'd probably do more than seven, as the uh, title of the episode suggests. Um, Eight common gun industry cliches that we'd love to see go away or die. We've got others. Maybe we'll do a part two in a future episode, unless we get so much hate mail over this episode. (laughs) And then it makes us rethink our strategy. Could be. Could be. and don't, you know what, if we said something today that makes you upset, well, don't take it too, so seriously. Uh, that's, that's all the advice I'd have to say about that. We're just two <laughs> dudes. This is our, these are our opinions. And, uh, and I'd like to think that, you know, they're based in, you know, experience and uh, doing things for a number of years now. And um, again, I, I, I was where, you know, folks that might maybe use some of these phrases I mean, at one time, I didn't know why I chose a particular gun that I did or carried in a certain holster in a certain position or why I 
did the things that I did because I just, I wasn't there yet. I wasn't experienced enough. I hadn't challenged myself enough. You know, I carried a 45 one time because, and this was one of our um, cliches uh, because, well, it's a bigger bullet, therefore more knockdown power. Mm-hmm. Like that was the extent of my understanding at the time. We'll save that one for another time, perhaps. So anyway, there you go. Seven cliches we wish were dead. Yeah. And uh, if you loved this episode, hated this episode, <laughs> feel free to let us know. Podcast at concealedcarry.com. You're always welcome to email us. Uh, we do hope that ultimately everything we do on the podcast is helpful for people out there. Uh, we won't reach everybody. We won't help everybody um, just because that's the way it goes. But we we do our best. As we get ready to sign on out of here, we need we need to announce our weekly prize winner. Uh, we give the uh, prizes out each week. You got to sign up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. This week, we're giving away nine millimeter dummy rounds. I got a bunch of them in this little baggie here. Very nice. Um, we're giving away a pack of those. I think it's a five pack of nine millimeter dummy rounds from Ready Up Gear. And next week, we're giving away a Draw Like a Pro course, a free copy, a free download of the Draw Like a Pro uh, training course. Uh, so make sure you sign up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Matthew, who is the lucky winner of this week's dummy rounds? The lucky winner is Kenneth W. You Kenneth are the winner. W or Ken W. Well, congratulations, Ken. We'll get those to you right away as soon as you respond to the email coming to your inbox. So that brings us to a conclusion of another fantastic episode. We'll shout out one more time to our podcast episode episode sponsors. That is Gunfighter Gun Oil. You can find them at gunfighteroil.com. Also Barrel Block, which you can find at barrelblock with a K.com. Barrelblock.com. And until next time, a reminder. Train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs>